Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, this is Sam Matterface and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport where we look ahead to what could be a defining week in the Premier League at the top and bottom of the division. We will do it in the company of the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport football correspondent Alex Crook. It's up to you, Tuchel. If Chelsea don't beat Manchester City this weekend, surely the Premier League title race is over. 11th heaven for Pep Guardiola. 11 points clear at the top of the table. 11 straight victories in the top flight. There's trouble for Ralph after just 47 days in charge. Manchester United's stopgap gaffer is finding out that his players are just not interim. Conte counts the cost of cup collapse. Bowen is the best English player in England right now. That's a fact, I don't argue, right? And stop laughing at Norwich, Dean Smith tells Norwich fans. It's all on the ultimate preview to all the weekend action. It's the podcast that, unlike Tottenham, still has a chance to win silverware. From TalkSport, it's the Game Day Podcast. This is Game Day. Hello to Darren Lewis and Alex Crook. Good morning. Hello, how are you? Good, good. All good. Good, good, good. He's, he's, he's in a mood because you had a go at him for being early today. He's in a mood now. You've, you've upset him. Why have you upset him? No, Why, no, 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 always no, upsetting no, no, people, really, man. I'm, I was fascinated. He had to go at me and you were the one that was late. I was late. I was late. My computer was messing around today. I was two um, minutes no, late. My computer wasn't working. <laughs> Does that mean we spend an hour now poking fun at you for being late? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just have a go at me for being late. Or, or let's have a go at the equipment. Because that's what that, that's ah, what that, that's the what they do. That's what they do in the Premier League. VAR, VAR, VAR. So much discussion about VAR this week. The Wirral Whistler, Mike Dean, doing an erstwhile job in the hub in the Carabao Cup semi-final on Wednesday night. Monday night, yeah, not so much. Maybe they got the decision right to rule out Aston Villa's goal, but it, I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't have been a glaring error if they had allowed it. To, uh, to to go in and, and and be celebrated as a goal and been given. I mean, but it just took so long. And, you know, look, let's be honest. Poor communication is at the root of all evil. How many marriages, how many lives have been lost through conflict that could have been saved? How many jobs around the world could have been protected if people just communicate properly? And imagine, just imagine how much smoother the VAR process would be if everyone, everyone just knew what the hell was going on. 
Just tell them. Three minutes and 37 seconds of absolute nothing at Old Trafford. No one knew what the hell was going on. Come on, guys. Just communicate properly. That's my only advice. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, sermon. <laughs> but listen, you're right. I mean, Darren, yeah, you're on mute. Darren, you're VAR on mute. VAR wasn't the problem, was it? On the, well, he's not communicating clearly. Uh, but VAR wasn't. Don't worry. Wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a problem uh, on Wednesday night. It was the on-field referee and the fact that he pointed to the penalty spot on those two occasions. Anyway, quite embarrassing, actually, uh, in lots of ways. I yeah. think looking at that that goal in particular. I can understand Aston Villa fans thinking they were searching for a reason to rule it out. That's the perception. And three and a half minutes of any game for people to be waiting. I remember being at a Spurs game. Rochdale. That's the one. And and it took an age. I think you could fit in an episode of Friends in the amount of time (laughs) that it took to actually work out what they were trying to work out. And I think if it goes, we've said it a million times over. If you're ticking into two minutes, let alone three and a half, then it's neither clear nor obvious, and you can get on with it. Mm, I agree. Coming up, Seagulls versus Eagles. Norwich's situation is no laughing matter, and Liverpool want to avoid a bee sting. Uh, But first, game day is the only place to hear the big blue battle. 11th heaven for Pep Guardiola. 11 points clear at the top of the table. 11 straight victories in the top flight. Of course, the, the distance, you know, unexpected in December had this, this distance against these two top teams. But the important is that, you know, the team is solid and uh, winning games. They are setting a pace that no one else can match at the moment. They do this. They go on wonderful long spells of, of winning football matches. But they're like anyone, they, they can have a bad spell. And Chelsea finally have the breakthrough here at Stamford Bridge. Relief sweeps around the stadium. Listen, Man City is Man City. I mean, they, they don't stop winning. They have the momentum. Right for the delivery into Lukaku! Who heads Chelsea in front! If Chelsea suddenly get it together, um, as they did last year, and they go on a, a really good run, they get a lot of their players back, they could push them. Manchester City could be 13 points clear of Chelsea and any hopes of the thrilling title race could be over if they were to beat Chelsea live on TalkSport this Saturday at 12.30. Chelsea have got to win, haven't they? I mean, they have to win if they want to reel in Pep Guardiola's outstanding team. They have to win if Liverpool are to have any hope of catching the champions. But they gave up chances in midweek, Darren, against Tottenham Hotspur and City, unlike Spurs, won't fail to take them. No, but there's something very interesting about Chelsea's bench. I mean, I joked on social media on Wednesday night that Chelsea's bench could beat Tottenham's team, uh, even <laughs> though there were only nine players on the bench. And I still hold that to be true. I mean, if you look at um, the quality that they rested clearly with one eye on City, you know that they are going to really attack this game with the belief that they can win it. Silver was on the bench, Kanti was on the bench, Ziek was on the bench, um, Havertz and Pulisic didn't get on. I, I think Chelsea believe that they can do this. It will be a tough task, obviously, 15 wins out of the last 16 for City, but Chelsea look good and I think they'll be fine. Um, City have scored in each of their last 15 games and scored a whopping 44 goals in those matches. The COVID outbreak has not got significantly worse at Manchester City. They had 21 staff mainly and players out last week. No danger around this game, I don't think. Darren says Chelsea will be all right, but it's it's not about being all right, is it? I mean, they've got to win, haven't they? Otherwise, it's all over. We just give up and go home, give them the ball. 
Yeah, I think for the neutral, uh, we need a Chelsea win to, to really reignite the title race. But I, I'm not as convinced uh, as Darren. Yes, I think they easily swatted Tottenham aside. The 3-0 scoreline on aggregate didn't flatter uh, Thomas Tuchel's team. But there's a big difference between playing Tottenham. I mean, Tottenham's starting lineup for that second leg was so poor. I, I ask yourself how many of their players were getting to Chelsea's team or, or Manchester City's. Probably only Harry Kane. I think that in itself shows how far uh, Tottenham are behind those two clubs still still a problem with the wing backs you know no Reese James no Chilwell Kennedy uh, has been recalled from his loan at Brazil and could possibly be used um, as, as a right wing back which the look on Sam's face is probably echoed by all Chelsea fans they're still trying to get Emerson out of Leon because I think they're struggling um, to sign a fullback because they want somebody on loan. They wanted Lucas Dean on loan because they feel that when everybody's fit, they've already got too many players. So they don't want to add another permanent signing to the squad. And I think that is a big problem going up against Manchester City. You need all your top players fit. Um, Kennedy was the guy who played Curly Watts in Coronation Street. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. Um, Chelsea won their last season. They were tactically brilliant. Uh, as they were in the Champions League final and the FA Cup semi-final, they beat them three times in six weeks. But, Darren, those performances have been overshadowed by what happened at the bridge earlier in the campaign when they were smothered. The reason why I say that Chelsea are going to be OK is because I think they're, they've got their confidence back. They had that nightmare spell where they could only pick up two wins out of six in the Premier League. And obviously that was where their Premier League title challenge was going up for Swanee. But I think they've got their players back from injury, from COVID. There's a maturity about the way they're playing again. Defensively, they look far more stable. Yes, there were a couple of hairy moments on Wednesday night. But as I say, the players that would ex you'd expect to start this game, Silva, Canty, they were on the bench. Canty came on with 13 minutes to go, probably just to stretch his legs. I would be staggered if Canty didn't start this match because if he does, then Chelsea will then City will have a real job on their hands being able to contain him and he'll be able to do the job of two men um, smothering and, and stopping the City attacks at source. Um, and that's why I think this is going to be a far tighter game. Yeah, I, my problem is I think Chelsea will concede and I'm not sure that the firepower is there. If you look at the goals that they scored against Spurs across the semi-final, the, both legs of it, all three of them, are all down to the fact because Tottenham handed them something and City aren't as profligate, are they, Alex? No, they're not. Um, and at the moment, you can't make a case for Chelsea going there and scoring lots of goals. So I think you're right, defensively, because of the absentees that I've already highlighted, plus the goalkeeper, of course, no um, Edouard Mendy due to the African Cup of Nations. So a, another big game for Kepa to Don't come drop into. the ball! <laughs> I was going to say, as a Kepa hater, you know, and you've been quite vociferous on this podcast about your lack of admiration uh, for that particular player. He's improved though, hasn't he? That, He's got better. That is a bit over the top. Hater is a bit over the top, you know. Just someone, I, I just was critical of his performances. Well, well, you did, you did, you did. You were a little bit. Yeah, I, I was a bit OTT. Uh, but um, then again, so were some of the things that he did. Um, look, I think he has got better. And one of the things that he's done really well is that um, he's trained incredibly hard behind the scenes and he stays behind with all the strikers after training to help them with their shooting practice and their penalty taking. So when, Ed, you know, obviously training's finished and they've worked Edouard Mendy because he's the primary goalkeeper, he'll stay out with the rest of the boys and, and do a bit of, uh, like, you know, still be the goalkeeper that stands in the, in the net while they're all shooting at him. So he's had a lot more practice. I know that sounds ridiculous, but he's had a lot more practice. It's one of the reasons why, when there's a penalty shootout, he's the one who they always bring on and playing goal because he's 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 been he does it every week. He does it every other day. 
So what you're saying is you had a lot of practice of watching Timo Werner put shots wide from six yards. <laughs> it's a confidence builder. It's a confidence okay. builder. Can I just say, I mean, you're a stats man, Sam, and you gave us a stat about City and the fact that they'd scored in 15 of their last 16 games and you were saying that you can't see Chelsea scoring. Chelsea have only failed to score once in all competitions since September. So mm. if you think about it, although it's easy to say, I can't see where the attack is going to, you know, the goal is going to come from. They know where the goal is. They do share the goals around Mm. and they can go direct with Lukaku. They can go fluid if, you know, any one of their front line can can find themselves in a good position to take advantage of any lapses in the City defence. And I just think that of all the wins that City have had this season, the tightest games that they've had have been against Liverpool, when it was 2-2, obviously, and it was a fabulous game that was. And I think this will be another one. I Listen, you might be right. Maybe Chelsea won't win, but I don't think Chelsea will lose. I think they'll give them a real good game this time. OK, you have to hand it to Tuchel, don't you? He's a semi-final monster. 11 wins and one draw in semi-finals. Ninth final now of his career. And he's the first ever Chelsea manager in history to take them to an FA Cup final, a Champions League final and a League Cup final. High praise, yeah, high praise. As I say, deserved, deserved victors. And um, depending on the strength of the team that they face in the final, I think at the moment you'd have to probably make Chelsea favourites to go and win that competition. The interesting thing about this competition is if they had a Carabao Cup to the Champions League last season, on the face of it, it's not a competition clubs of the size of Chelsea get excited about. But silverware is silverware. Um, and with seemingly the title out of reach if you can add more silverware continue that culture of winning at the club that can only be a good thing you would see that I would imagine they'd be very very tough to beat in again in the Champions League and in the FA Cup as well if they can do well in the cup competitions and have another go at the title next season I think they're in good shape but the headline is pretty clear Manchester United are through to the fourth round by the skin of their teeth Manchester United won Aston Villa nil. There's not much time to feel sorry for ourselves. We'll recover well. Hopefully there might be one or two to add to the squad tonight in terms of people coming back. Obviously Phil Tramer is on Wednesday. We'll analyse where he's at. On to Coutinho. Into the area. Chips it over the top of the advancing goalkeeper. And in. Villa Park will love him. And Manchester United have taken an eighth-minute lead. A super goal from Ralph Rangnick's team. This interim manager who's walked through that door knows he's got serious problems because if he's going to get a tune out of a team he's got to pick 11 that he can trust there's not 11 players out there he can trust it's about finding a sustainable balance for the future and this can only be done together talking about putting silverware on the table wouldn't it be nice if manchester united finally won a trophy um, they play Aston Villa again this Saturday at 5.30 live on Talk Sport. Manchester United was so poor in the FA Cup game on Monday night. I mean, I, I spoke to Stephen Gerrard afterwards and I asked him, how much will this disappointment fuel you going into the game on Saturday? And he said, well, as players in the dressing room, it's got to. It's got to. It's got to push you to get a better result uh, than we have here tonight because they were the better team for large portions of that game. Uh, Ronaldo on the back pages of the English papers on Thursday. I know what the problem is, but it's not ethical for me to say. Oh, you little tease. You little tease. We need, he says, to be united. Hmm. Yeah, Crook, what, what was your assessment of that interview that he's done? Well, it's rolling out the big guns, isn't it? To uh, to try and 
throw support behind Ralph Rangnick and this project that Manchester United have got themselves into. But the more I think about it, the more this managerial appointment makes no sense at all. You, you look at Ralph Rangnick's CV, when it comes to what he's actually achieved in the dugout, very minimal relatively small clubs you know certainly not a juggernaut like Manchester United yes when it comes to the administrative side and particularly what he did in the Red Bull franchise I think he's an impressive character uh, but I think there's a big difference between ruling with an iron fist in a boardroom and doing it in a dressing room which clearly is divided uh, the fact that Ronaldo says that they need to be united suggests they're anything but at this moment in time and that backs up what I was told a few weeks ago that there are definite splits already forming that Old Trafford dressing room. There are too many fringe players who are unhappy or pushing for moves. Dean Henderson, you spoke to Ralph about after the game and he admitted that he blocked him from going out two weeks ago. And I know that Dean Henderson and his representatives, very unhappy and certainly haven't hid that unhappiness in Henderson's case in the dressing room. You can chuck people like Jesse Lingard and Donny van der Beek into that equation as well. So I think that in itself produces a bit of toxic toxicity. And you're looking at next season now, um, you know, a lot of clubs are, are trying to put their ducks in a row in terms of signings. Well, Manchester United can't do that because the first question that any prospective new signing will be, will be asking, say Erling Haaland, for example, who looks like he's off to Real Madrid anyway, well, who's the manager going to be? And Manchester United can't give a firm answer. You know, we, we, Manchester United shouldn't have an interim manager. They should have somebody there that is going to put a plan in place for the long haul to turn around what is a wretched situation. How many years is it since Manchester United won a trophy? Darren talked about the big club scoffing at the Carabao Cup. Manchester United would love the chance to have a tilt at the Carabao Cup. It's an absolute mess. The performance was a shambles. It was soulless. You know, the, the, the crowd were flat. It just gets worse being a Manchester United supporter. That's upbeat. Um, talking of upbeat, what's the problem with Marcus Rashford, Darren? Uh, we were a little concerned about him because he doesn't look particularly happy on Monday night. We asked, actually, if he's got any issues off the pitch. We were told that he, no, he hasn't. He's just frustrated uh, about not scoring for 11 games. 3-15 and 15 this season. Since the start of 2021, it's 48 games, just 10 goals and only six in the Premier League. What's the, what's the issue? I don't think the, the issue is Marcus Rashford. I think the issue is a poor team, a culture of underachievement at the club. Uh, that a club that's in the comfort zone. Um, in a way, Ronaldo sums up the problem. You know, I think Ranink's going to do a good job. Who cares? Who cares what you think? You know, do your job on the pitch. That's what you're paid for. You're not paid for your opinions. And I think that is part of the problem. There are too many players at United with something to say. The great United sides did their talking on the pitch. And when United get back to doing that, then they'll start to get closer to challenging for the title. It, it might well be that Rangnick isn't the right man. And it might well be that um, Pochettino still being lined up to come in at the end of the season. But the bottom line is that group of players, they are individuals. They're not a team. And the fact that they're coming out and telling us what we already know is like a prime minister coming out and saying, I've got, you know, I was wrong to do what I did. We know, we know, and I don't really see what Ronaldo is achieving by saying what he's saying. It is still the case, if you're really brutal, to say that, yes, he's been a match winner for United this season, but in a lot of occasions, when, the, when they've tried to press, when they've tried to put some energy into their team, he's not being able to do it so there are question marks around him but 
No, I don't think the problem is Rashford. I'm not that concerned about him. 23 goals last season, club and country, that he had runs of six, seven games in a row when he didn't score last season. The problem is the team and the culture at United, which at the moment is not great. And the winner of Rant of the Week goes to (laughs) Darren Lewis from The Mirror. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Aston Villa. Steve and Gerrard done a very good job so far. And I say that despite the fact that I think it's nine games, four wins, five defeats. But those defeats are Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, Brentford, yes, they should have won that game, and and Manchester United. And uh, in all of those games, they've been in. And that's, that's a sign of progress, I think, anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Steven Gerrard has certainly lifted the place and Aston Villa, when it comes to the transfer window, probably the winners uh, of the transfer window so far, not just uh, Coutinho, who I thought looked in tremendous shape uh, when he was officially announced as a new signing. What do you mean we by that? Sorry, I'm, I'm sure I don't night. understand. What, you just well, said he was well chiselled? You liked his six-pack? What? I don't understand. He, he looked to me like a player who is ready to, to hit the ground running and with a bit of a point to prove. And I think what we know about uh, Felipe Coutinho is that he will strive under the right guidance. And if anybody knows how to give him that guidance, it should be uh, Steven Gerrard. There was a great analogy uh, from Tim Vickery, TalkSport South American correspondent on Trans Europe Express on Sunday night. He was describing the relationship between Pochettino uh, and Coutinho when they uh, were together in Spain. And he said Pochettino was like, uh, Baloo the Bear to Coutinho's Mowgli. And uh, that's how he got the best out of him. And I think Steven Gerrard will adopt a similar approach. It's probably my favourite uh, analogy uh, in many a year. Uh, Luca <laughs> Dean is, is a good signing as well. I think that's exciting, having Luca Dean bombing down one wing and Matt Cash down another. And I don't think they're finished there. I think they still want to bring in a central defender. And I think with those signings, you look at the the, the, the point situation. I mean, it's probably too much to expect Aston Villa to challenge for Europe this season. Yeah. But certainly, I think they'll be in the conversation come next season. And Steven Gerrard, very much a part of that. I ask you this question. Would Philippe Coutinho and Luca Dean have signed for Aston Villa if Dean Smith was still the manager? I doubt it. A little bit uh, harsh on Dean Smith. Should we move on to Dean Smith? Norwich against Everton is our three o'clock offering on TalkSport 2. And Norwich suffered a terrible December. Terrible. They lost all five games, didn't score a goal, and January hasn't started particularly well with a narrow win over Charlton in which they were flat on Sunday and a defeat at West Ham in midweek. There was a midweek game this week, yes, and they lost it. Uh, Now Dean Smith has asked the supporters not to cheer the make-believe goals that the supporters were inventing to keep their spirits up during that time. Crook, you love this story, don't you? I can tell just by the look on your face. Yeah, because I think in some ways, <laughs> Dean Smith coming out and saying what he has has highlighted it to a wider Stop laughing. <laughs> Just stop it. I mean, I actually commentated that game against Crystal Palace when I think they first started to do it. But because the Norwich fans were right over the other side of the stadium, um, I, I didn't pick up that that's what they were doing. But listen, <laughs> I think... I think as football fans, there's always been a bit of gallows humour and uh, not every football fan can support a team like Chelsea or Manchester City who win things on a regular basis. So I think you have to get your enjoyment where you can. I think what it highlights is just how utterly abject this Norwich team are. And statistically, when it comes to points, they might not end up being the worst team in Premier League history because they probably will get another couple of points somewhere, although that's not a guarantee to eclipse that derby record. But when it comes to goal scoring, they are officially... Uh, on course to be the worst team in Premier League history. And I think they are the worst team in Premier League history. And do you know what? When they spent the money they did at the start of the season, I thought they were signing players with an eye on getting back out from the Championship next season. I'm not even sure this team's good enough to get out of the Championship next season. 
I was at the game um, on Wednesday night and yeah, I, I, I thought of you, Crook, because <laughs> I know Sam said that you were harsh earlier in the season when you were fairly scathing about Norwich. But we, weren't, so we didn't say it was harsh. That's not true. What we said was is that it was it, it went a little bit over the top because I actually planted the seed in his mind many, many months ago by having a, a real problem with this mantra that they have down in Norwich, which is we want to be a top 26 club. And that uh, that annoys me. So I, I sort of started this sort of seed in his brain. But what he said was is that they were bringing the competition into disrepute. They were, they were, they were cheating the system. Um, and, and that might have been a little bit over the top. That's fair enough. That, that is fair enough. That is fair enough. I think that, that does... Yeah, that was a little bit tricky to say. They've not exactly proved me wrong, though, Darren, have they? <laughs> well, well, listen, I think form-wise, uh, uh, words like cheating and all that, they're, they're, they're quite incendiary. Yeah, um, just, but, just uh, I bit. wouldn't go that far. But I think form-wise, you know, they've conceded, what, 44 goals now so far this season. West Ham won that game on Wednesday night in second gear. Jared Bowen could have scored four goals or five goals on his own. Um Honestly, West Ham went through the motion, none of the intensity that they've had that have had for a higher profile side. And it looked for me like Norwich turned up expecting to be beaten, waiting for when the first goal was going to go in. And it, you know, I the only I would have thought they've been so horrendous they'd lost their previous five Premier League games. I'd have thought there'd have been reinforcements by now. And you have to assume the fact that they haven't been is that they can't attract anyone. Nobody wants to go there because they know they'll be playing championship football. So Dean Smith comes out afterwards and says all the right things and he's asking. He didn't ask about this um, imaginary goal thing not to be sung afterwards. I think he realised that it was the old Streisand effect where you draw attention to something when you're trying not to get people talking about it because I didn't know about it myself until he started talking about it. But you can understand why Norwich fans are doing it because they've got zero else to cheer. Yeah, six straight defeats for Norwich. Uh, Smith did say last night, we get battered from people outside saying we're not fit to grace the Premier League, but we're still only three points from safety. Nothing like a bit of optimism. Yes, Dean, it is true statistically, but you haven't scored a goal since Delia wrote her first cookbook. So it doesn't really matter if you're one, two, three or 20 points behind, if you ain't going to get many more. Um, <laughs> poor scored Holt. eight goals this season. Eight <laughs> goals. And the reason... The reason they're within touching distance is not because of anything they're doing on the pitch. It's because Watford are so poor themselves. Norwich are gone. Listen, everybody knows they're gone. And you have to ask the question, why did Dean Smith, having yeah. only been sacked by Aston Villa a week before, why did he jump straight back into that job? What's it, done, what's it done for his reputation? Oh, I don't know. I feel sorry for him. What did he do that for? Because, you know, before he got sacked by Aston Villa, he was the favourite to be the next England manager, believe it or not. <laughs> um, why are, you, why are you laughing? It's true. That's not true. It is true. That's not true. It is true. Dean Smith was Dean the favourite to was be. Dean Smith was the favourite to be the new England manager. He's in the book. He was the bookmaker's sec, at first favourite. He was four to one to be the new manager. I don't know what bookmaker that is, but they must be on work experience. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. It hits the back of the defender and goes in. And it's 2-0 to Chelsea. It's a Davis own goal. I hate to lose. It's difficult for me and to accept the, the defeat. I'll try every day to ask myself uh, the best commitment and I'll try to, to transfer this also to, to my players. Tottenham have a lot of work to do to turn this around if they want to stay in the hunt for their first trophy in 14 years. My objective is, is to win. Is get a trophy, is, is put my name in the, in the club history. Are you fighting to the end? Ziyech floats in the delivery! We can trust our players and we can trust ourselves to give everything and, and to try their very best in every single game. Probably best to start with the Carabao Cup semi-final. We shall leave Liverpool Arsenal because of the delays of the second leg. But uh, when the draw was made, I think most people thought that Tottenham and Chelsea would be a tad more competitive over two legs. Does the result of that game that Chelsea won over two legs rather easily highlight the gulf between Chelsea and Tottenham, maybe Tottenham and Arsenal and, and those teams right at the top of the table? Yes, 100%. And I think it lays bare um, the task that Antonio Conte has taken on. There was a meeting between him and, and Daniel Levy and Fabio Paratici early this week in which they outlined their list of ta- transfer targets. We've been saying for a while on TalkSport that Adama Traore certainly is quite high on that list. I think they like Frank Kessie, the uh, midfielder from AC Milan, although he's at the African Cup of Nations at the moment. Stefan De Vrij, uh, somebody that Conte knows from his time in Italy, is another possible addition. But I'll say about Tottenham what I said about Newcastle last week. For me, they don't need two or three players to transform their team. And obviously their aspirations are vastly different from Newcastle's. They need six or seven. You know, you look at the quality of the starting eleven against Chelsea, it was a mismatch. You look at the two benches, I think Chelsea's bench is worth £200 million. Tottenham's bench had players that either I'd not really heard of or that have just been poor additions. And you look at their recruitment and it's such an important part of modern football. Yeah. Tango and Dombley, a, a beacon of misrecruitment. Steven Bergwijn, who probably will end up back at Ajax, another one who's been absolutely shocking, really, in, in the Premier League. So it's so important that they get this list of targets right. But in terms of being able to mount a serious challenge, not just for a place in the top four, and if they get there, I think it'll almost be by default because Manchester United have been so poor this season. But in terms of challenging for silverware, 
despite the fact they've got an elite level manager in Antonio Conte, the squad is miles off. Yeah, miles 18 off. points during the Italians' tenure so far. They're still yet to lose, actually, under Antonio Conte in the Premier League, um, Tottenham. Uh, but I, I remember being in Lyon the day that Tanguy and Dombele transferred from Lyon to uh, Tottenham Hotspur for that huge amount of money, record signing at the time for Tottenham Hotspur. And I, you know, I'm here and I'm, I was doing a, a Women's World Cup semi-final. So I thought we'll do a bit of digging and speak to a couple of local journalists and see what they think about him. And they were just laughing their heads off at the amount of money that was spent. He turns up for some games, not for others. He's not particularly consistent. Um, he sometimes play well in the big games, but not particularly well against uh, some of the smaller opposition. I mean, exactly what they said about him has come true. Now, that was like a really small snatched discussion over a coffee in, in, in a plaza in Lyon one Tuesday afternoon. Surely, surely the Tottenham recruitment department went into much more detail than that before they decided to spend 50-odd million pound on him. And that has been a real issue. So I, it is the 14th, 15th of January now. They haven't signed anyone so far, Darren. And we were expecting a little bit more activity during this period. Or have they already decided that actually it's not worth it? Wait till the summer. Well, I think it's a really good question. I think this um, this month will decide what kind of club Tottenham want to be. And I think if they don't get the quality in to support Antonio Conte, Jeremy O'Hara was saying this on TalkSport in midweek in on the sports and I absolutely agree with him. I think he's got a short contract because if he doesn't get any movement on the promises that he was made, he will leave. He doesn't have to stay at a club like Tottenham and carry the can as Pochettino did if he calls for the investment and he doesn't get it. He's too good a manager. He has won things with bigger and better clubs than Tottenham. So this is an opportunity for Tottenham to decide who they want to be. I totally agree with you, Crook. I said it the other night. If Tottenham are going to challenge for the top four, forget about the fact that if they win their games in hand, they're a point about this and that. Son's out for a couple of months. Mm. And if Kane gets any kind of injury, they'll be lucky to finish in the top 10 because that side is so poor. I think they need five or six, maybe even seven players. They're not going to get them, obviously, but they need wholesale investment in that team and a root and branch review of their recruitment. And Son has been vital to Spurs. He's got a goal involvement in 23 of his last 22 uh, league appearances, which is why he's been a thorn in the side of Arsenal recently, scoring in four of the last five meetings. His absence is going to be keenly, keenly felt, isn't it? I mean... Um, but obviously with Harry Kane not firing as well, that is a, a real problem for them. Yeah, he brings energy, Son, and uh, energy was badly lacking in, in the two legs of, of that uh, League Cup tie. <laughs> They've got a fantastic stadium, but it's hardly a fortress, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's not somewhere where Arsenal will tread uh, with any real trepidation. Having said that, you know, we were full of praise for Arsenal after the way that they performed in defeat against Manchester City. They returned to their old ways to lots of extents against Nottingham Forest. So they need to bounce back. But I think they've got character now um, in the team with the likes of uh, Aaron Ramsdale, who we've praised a lot on the podcast this season, Gabriel, Ben White, um, Tierney. Lacazette, I think, has done a, a good job since taking over the armband from Aubameyang. So I think this is a game that Arsenal can win. And I think it will be pivotal to their own hopes of, of, the, of a top four. I think anything less than a victory for Arsenal will be seen as a disappointment. <laughs> Game day has the big games, 
We That's go again with... Manchester City show their quality. Foden with such a calm finish. Brilliantly done by Hudson-Odoi. Chelsea lead by two goals to nil. The title race that might go the distance. It's better to be there, but a lot of games, tough game is coming. Why should we stop a race in the middle of the race? There are boos at the end from the home supporters at Carrow Road. Norwich... Rock bottom of the Premier League. Damari Gray cuts in, nice ball here, play back, chance here, what a goal! And the Everton fans that were booing a minute ago are cheering now. Everton on Saturday and then Watford Friday after, you know, we need to get a mini table at the, at the bottom of the league and, and try and win that mini table. Manchester United have been pretty woeful on the pitch. It's different at Villa, led by a man with Liverpool blood. Steven Gerrard has had an impact that Ralph Rangnick can only dream of. Game day on Talk Sport. Thrills and spills as ever. OK, uh, Brighton against Crystal Palace is 8 o'clock on Friday. This is a derby that's not really a derby, but it's a grudge match. And uh, Alex Crook, I'm sure, will be all over this on Friday night. No team has drawn more matches than Brighton this season, though. But they ended a 12-game winless run with a 2-0 victory over Brentford during the festive period. And since then, they've got some good results as well. So do you think that, uh, that they can really test Patrick Vieira's team? I thought... Vieira's team were better in the second half than they were in the first against uh, Millwall last weekend. Yeah, and I think Brighton will be uh, delighted that this game is taking place during the African Cup of Nations because Wilfred Zaha is a player who usually excels in this fixture. Obviously, Palace won't have the luxury of calling upon him. It was a, a decent spectacle when they met earlier in the season at Selhurst Park. And actually, I got a message from somebody when this game was moved to television saying, I don't understand the obsession. Why is Brighton Palace always on TV? I think it is, it's not a derby, you're right, the M23 derby gets trotted out, but the fans don't like you calling that. But there is a, a real rivalry between these two sets of supporters, one that's a bit difficult to fathom, but it goes back to the 80s when uh, Terry Venables and Alan Mullery were the respective coaches. So there, there will be a bit of needle on this game, but you're right, Brighton coming into it in a decent vein of form. They're only four points behind Manchester United in seventh. I think if they were to finish in the top half of the table, that would be a big achievement for Graham Potter. And the key question for them this month is can they hold on to two players in particular? Tarek Lamptey getting admiring glasses, not just from Tottenham, but other clubs at the top end of the Premier League. And Eve Basuma as well, who's on Aston Villa's radar. I think the Basuma one is one to keep more of an eye on than Lamptey. Lamptey is, is still uh, well in contract and it would take an offer of about £50 million, I'm told, to price him away. Basuma is into the last 18 months of his deal. So if Brighton did get an offer that they felt made it worthwhile, I think they would be willing to trade him um, in this window. Yeah, Darren, Aston Villa obviously circling at Eastbourne. He looks like a very good player to me. I, if I was Manchester United, I think I'd be uh, circling around him. Someone who might steal a march on maybe some of the bigger clubs and try and get that deal done nice and early. Because if you get it done in January, you avoid the sort of scramble for his signature that might well ensue when he gets to the final 12 months of his contract. So, do you know, Sam, it's never going to happen because obviously if Man United come into you, 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 regardless of where they're at, you crawl over broken glass to get there. But actually... I think the mess that they're in at the moment, there's such a collection of individuals. They're nowhere near the Man United of old. I'd go to somebody like somewhere like Aston Villa that are they are more of a team. They're going in the right direction. You can make the next step up from there if you go to a Villa and excel. But you know, I can see why 
Gerard wants him. There's a real clarity about the way he wants to rebuild the side, adding steel in midfield, pace and defensive stability down the flanks and creativity in that final third as well. And Bissouma's a terrific player. I really like him. West Ham Leeds is Sunday, two o'clock. And now listen, West Ham beat Leeds last Sunday in the FA Cup by two goals, in order, albeit a late goal, uh, sealing passage through to the next round of the FA Cup. They put out a stronger team than Leeds United did, mainly because Leeds have got so many absentees. It remains to be seen how many will be back this weekend, or they, they have let drama go out uh, on loan. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, their defensive problems, though, because they've conceded 19 goals in their last six games. And Darren, doesn't matter who you've got in, involved in your team, if you're conceding goals like that, you're banging trouble, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, I've said for a long time, and lots of people have the similar, similar belief, that Leeds are far too expansive. There's not enough pragmatism about the way that Bielsa sets up his side. He's got his principle. And when you're winning, those principles look terrific. But when you're on a run of four defeats in your previous five, or well, those four defeats will come in the Premier League, then you've got to change something. You've got to adapt. And he just seems incapable of being able to do it. I will be covering this game, and I fully expect West Ham to continue their winning run. Four wins on the bounce so far. I think they'll take advantage of Leeds a footballing suicide in many respects. I, I think that they, yeah, yeah, I think West Ham will win. Okay, and probably be led by Jared Bowen because no English player at a Premier League club has been involved in more goals in all competitions this season than Jared Bowen. 16 goals. You laughed at Crook. I didn't laugh at Crook. Week. I didn't laugh you at Crook. You did. Yeah, you did. It's not true. You did. You did. There was you no did. laughing. You laughed at Crook last week. And on Wednesday night after the match, yeah, David Boyes said that, yeah. yes, you do have your Sterlings and your Rashfords and your yeah. Greenishes yeah. and many other good players. But eventually, to quote David Moyes, somebody within the England setup is going to have to say, we need to take a look at what Gerard Bowen, Jared Bowen is doing. I, I'm quite happy to replay what actually happened last week. If you would like me to recount it to you, I will. I'm sticking up for you, Cap. I'm sticking up for you, Crook. You can stick up for him. All right, if you didn't laugh, you were quite laugh. dismissive and you asked no, me... No, you, you know, said... He hold, on, Sterling, hold on, hold on, hold on. I said on he is better than Raheem no, Sterling. Don't, don't change Darren's mentioned, Darren's, Darren's mentioned Jack Grealish. He, he's had a much better season than... The one hundred million pound man. Yeah, but you've been baking, you're making up what I said. You said he is going to be in the World Cup squad, and I said he's not going to be in the World Cup squad. Now there's a world of difference, Sue, and I actually even conceded to you he'll probably be in the England squad for the March friendlies or maybe even the Nations League. But will he be in the World Cup squad? I said no, he won't be, and I was strident about it. I didn't laugh. I didn't say that you were talking nonsense and he wasn't a good player. I just said he will not be in the final 23 for the World Cup and he won't be, will he? Well, let's see. Listen, if he continues this this form, it's going to be very <laughs> difficult for Gareth Southgate to ignore him. I think you both make good points. What I, what I would say is that when you look at Jared Bowen, he is one of these players, I remember when he signed for West Ham, a lot of West Ham fans are very, very underwhelmed by him. But his movement is so good. His, you know, his he scores goals. They were seventh and eighth on Wednesday night. But he's also adding assists to his game as well. And there, there is a lot more to a player that many people regard as unfashionable than meets the eye. Mm. So it, it may well be that he gets a call up. It may well be that by the time Gareth Southgate decides on what he wants for his squad, there are players who are able to add more dynamism. They play at a higher level, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But 
if Jared Bowen continues scoring goals and making goals, it'll be a very interesting conversation it around will. about the time. And it will be, play. I'm sure he'll be considered and he'll be included in the squad and he'll be given opportunity. Like Patrick Bamford, after scoring all those goals last season yeah. and being right at the very forefront of everybody's mind last season, was given a chance. He came into the team and it wasn't necessarily at his level and others who have got more experience than him and played higher profile games ended up overtaking him back into... I actually am not a, 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 that big a fan of as soon as somebody goes in a decent run of form, basically yeah. saying they've got to be in the England squad. I was in a press league. conference, an England press conference, where someone asked whether Jacob Ramsey might be getting a call up soon. I mean, there's 23 players that you can call up. I mean, he's had four games that he's been played played well in in, yeah. the, in the Premier League. Come on! But all I was saying was crook that you said last. You mentioned Bowen and England, and the fact that. Not only was Moyes talking about it, but he was asked about it by yeah. other people. So other people share your thinking. And all I was yeah. saying was that you appeared to be vindicated in in that respect. I, I didn't, but I didn't laugh. You Can I ask I another no, question? I Can I ask another question? Okay. Do, do you think the fact he is dating the daughter of, you know, a massive Daddy West Dyer. Ham fan has helped make him a, a cult figure with the West Ham fans? Because he's got his own song, isn't he, that we can't repeat on this uh, podcast, but I do think that has helped endear him to the West Ham public and therefore has given him that confidence to go and shine on the pitch. You reckon that... that... <laughs> I do. It's all down I, to I, Love I Island, guys. Was... It's all down to Love Island. This <laughs> <laughs> had been such a cerebral conversation. Yeah. You can't see this if you're listening, but there were multiple points where Crook wanted to come in and I felt really bad for basically cutting in, believing that he was going to add an aesthetic nugget to the debate yeah and he tells us that it could be the fact that jared bowen is dating the love island contestant well done i mean i mean yeah but but celebrity is definitely undervalued (laughs) (laughs) right shall we get to um the quiz with lucy hello Hello, you're right. Yeah, how are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, Tar. Okay, are you on fire? Um, I don't know what you mean by that, but no. Are you? But you? No, nothing. Okay, all right. Shall we move on? Oh, how is yeah. it? How is how is the bow? Okay. You guys are in a stupid mood today. I just want to crack on with this stupid quiz. Okay, go for it. Let's go. <laughs> so. Lucy's on fire. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he's called Dan as well, isn't he? He's called Dan. He is. There he is. He is, yeah. Do you think the reason that we have been nominated for an award and yeah. go vote for us if you haven't already is because Lucy is in a it's relationship found love. with Dan? Yeah, she's found love. That's I it. think it's because Lucy knocks us all into shape every week. She's probably the sanest person here. Mm. Right, let's just crack up <laughs> this now. So, this week's quiz, we're going to have a look at Saturday's game, Burnley v Leicester. So, Darren, I'm going to start with you. Okay. So Leicester were crowned Premier League champions in 2016, but at the start of that season, what were the bookies' odds for them to win the title? 5,000 to 1. Correct. As tap-ins go... Crook. As we all know, Leicester's badge is a red fox. But Crook, can you tell me the average length of a red fox's tail in inches? <laughs> There's quite a wide bracket for this, so if you get it within the bracket... I'll What's, the you bracket? The What's the bracket? What's the bracket? Well, I can't tell you the bracket, can I? Just, just tell me a, just tell me a length. <laughs> just give her a length. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say twenty inches. Oh, you're in 
the bracket. It's oh. between 12 and 21 inches. That's massive. <laughs> that is massive, isn't it? Right. <laughs> Sam. Yes. If I left my coat at Turf Moor, how long would I have to collect it according to the lost property section of the Burnley website before it was destroyed? <laughs> I've been to Burnley and forgotten coat. my coat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Burnley gave me a free Burnley coat, which I still have. And yeah, that wasn't really the question. Wore recently, actually, to, I was, when I was going to the tip. It was quite cold. Um, it's a very warm coat. I'm going to go 28 days. Oh, it's bang on. 28 days. Oh, what a screamer. <laughs> have some of that. Yeah. That's what we, don't, we all got a point this week, didn't we? Yeah, we all got a point. That's really rare, that, isn't that it? That is, actually, yeah. We must be, we must be on fire. <laughs> Newcastle against Watford, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Chris Wood, Kieran Trippier, a new bid for Diego Carlos. Just to let you know, Sevilla could win the Spanish title, by the way, folks. Um, will anyone else get in the door before the Watford game? And this is a massive match for Newcastle United, isn't it? Especially after going out of the cup in embarrassing circumstances last weekend. Uh, because Wynn and Watford, who are flailing, will be leapfrog, and they're in a situation then where, where the momentum is behind them. This is a key game. This, is, this could be a turning point. I think this could be the most important fixture that Newcastle play between now and the end of the season. That's why... They are so desperate uh, for reinforcements. Chris Wood officially confirmed on a two-and-a-half-year contract on Thursday morning. It's a signing that's been maligned in some places, but I see it as a win-win for Newcastle. They need someone uh, to be the focal point of their attack in the absence of Callum Wilson. I actually think that Chris Wood, uh, when he's fit, could form a good partnership with Callum Wilson, much like Wilson did alongside Janka Morgan, a big, tall striker, uh, when they got Bournemouth promoted to the Premier League. But also, they've weakened Burnley. I know Burnley are absolutely furious uh, with Chris Wood that he's decided to up sticks Newcastle having triggered his release clause. They think they can get Carlos, which, as you say, is an interesting one, given that Sevilla are contenders for the Spanish title. But I guess, again, that maybe shows the pulling power of the Premier League. And the young lad from France as well, um, how do you pronounce it? Ekitiki, is it? Yeah, Hugo Ekitiki. Um, I, I think they believe that they can get a deal done for him, and not just as a project for the future, but somebody they feel, given the impressive goals record that he's got two minutes on the pitch in France this season, that can come in and do a job immediately. So, listen, that, again, like Aston Villa, they're not finished yet, Newcastle, and I don't think Chris Wood is as bad a signing as some people have made out. I think it's a very good signing, and I can understand exactly what they're doing. I can even see, in my mind's eye, Kieran Trippier whipping in balls from the right-hand side, whether it be dead balls or from open-play crosses, and Chris Wood trying to get on the end of them. I mean, it, it might be a rudimentary game plan, but it doesn't matter. At this stage of the season, all they need to do is put points on the board. Uh, and in terms of uh, being furious with Chris Wood for leaving Burnley, I mean, I'm not being funny. What do you expect? I mean, I, I, can't, I can't see anything wrong with it at all. Burnley have not invested in that team for five years. Why on earth would he not want to move on? Darren, do, do you understand why Burnley are so, uh, so furious about this? Not at all. I mean, Chris Wood scored three goals in the Premier League this season um, in 17 appearances. Uh, Burnley, uh, as you say, haven't invested in the team. They've been in, the owners have been there over a year. They brought in Corne and the Collins. Yes, um, 
they're having a laugh if they expect Chris Wood to hang around while they basically uh, sit on their hands. So, yeah, it's it's good for him, a good move for him. He's going to need to produce more goals. Newcastle are going to need to bring in more before the weekend. If they don't, these are going to continue to be two of the worst teams in the Premier League. 42 goals Newcastle have conceded so far this season. I can't see Watford not scoring, but I can't see Watford not defending and keeping a clean sheet. I think this will be a draw. And Newcastle and Watford have kept a combined one clean sheet in 37 league matches. Uh, that's pretty impressive. I think we can promise goals, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think... The Watford situation is always fascinating because we know that their their owners are more than happy to pull the trigger when they feel a manager is underperforming. You have to say, and we called it, I think all three of us when he was appointed, it hasn't worked out for Claudio Ranieri. Yes, there have been moments like that victory against Manchester United, but they've been few and far between. And I think if you look at the league table, uh, normally in any other season, Newcastle, despite the, the amount of money they could possibly spend up to £100 million this transfer window. They should be dead and buried already. 11 points from from 19 games shouldn't be enough to keep them up. And they won't catch Leeds or Everton or Villa or Brentford, the teams immediately above Watford in the table. The reason they've still got a fighting chance, uh, as well as because they're going to invest, is, is thanks to Watford. And if they do stay up, I think a magnum of champagne will be heading its way all the way from Saudi Arabia to the Vicarage Road Warbrun. Crook, that's a little mini league now, isn't it? The, the bottom four teams. Yeah. It's it's a league within the league. Yeah, basically. It's it's three from four. <laughs> I want Newcastle to stay up for lots of reasons, uh, mainly because Sam at the start of the season predicted that Burnley, Newcastle and Watford would be the first. Sorry, predicted that Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich would be the three to go down. And if that happens, we won't hear the end of it. So come on the Geordies. Uh, let's move on to Liverpool against Brentford. Can we agree that this should be a belter like it was earlier in the season when they met? 3-3. Three, three. Different circumstances, I think, um, at Anfield. It'll be a very different uh, kind of environment than it was at the Brentford Community Stadium. And we saw Brentford at Southampton on Tuesday night. Southampton were clinical. I thought they were deserving winners, probably their best performance uh, of the season so far. But Brentford were really poor, particularly defensively. Uh, and whisper it quietly, but we we all bigged up Ivan Tony on this podcast at the start of the season as someone who could take the Premier League by storm. He hasn't. Um, he started the season okay, but his goal return is fairly meagre, and I know he'll be disappointed with that. I guess we should give him the benefit of the doubt. He's had COVID issues and maybe is still recovering from that. But in order to be, to be a force and to really have any chance of causing an upset, Brentford need Ivan Tony on top form, and he certainly wasn't in midweek. Oh, it was poor in midweek, wasn't he? Really was, and his touch was bad. In fact, Brentford as a whole were pretty poor. They scored a fantastic goal through Vitaly Janol, but apart from that... They were pretty average and they were uh, well, they were beaten by Southampton side who who go to Wolves on Saturday at three o'clock. Wolves really hard to break down, Darren. They've kept six clean sheets in their last eight league games and their last outing that we saw them in the Premier League and they were brilliant at Manchester United. Yeah, they were. Uh, three wins from the last four in all competitions and I think Bruno Lago, we didn't know too much about him before he, we knew what he, you know, his former club, etc, etc. But it was very intriguing to see what impact he would have on the team. Lots of people kind of were underwhelmed by him, if we're all honest. But he's done a terrific job. They're in contention for a European place. If they were to add to their front line in this window, you would probably give them a really good chance. And I think that they may well snuff out Southampton and pinch this one by a point. God, that's Sorry, the first by, by, by one goal, forgive me. And that's the first time that any of us have been accused of being underwhelmed by a lager. <laughs> 
That's my final joke of the week, folks. Um, right, okay. <laughs> That's it from us. Uh, Darren, thank you very much. Uh, Alex, thank you very much. We are all back together uh, next week, and Crook and I will be back on uh, Monday morning when you wake up after we've looked back on what was going to be a terrific weekend, maybe a season-defining weekend. Before we go, can I ask you this question? Will the title race be over by the time we reconvene? Yes. Uh, no. Oh, okay. What do you think? Why don't you send us a little tweet uh, at Mira Darren, at Alex underscore Crook, or at Sam Matterface on Twitter. Uh, Talk Sports Game Day podcast returns on Monday. There's loads of podcasts that you can get uh, by going on our app, which is available to download from the Google Play or the iOS store. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.